Business Minds, presented by the Business Journals of Florida, and brought to you by Tico People's Gas, at the heart of Florida's energy. In this episode, the focus is commercial real estate. South Florida Business Journal Editor-in-Chief Mel Melendez connects with one of the most influential industrial developers in the region, Malcolm Butters, CEO of Butters Construction and Development. Welcome, Malcolm. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode of Florida Business Minds. Thank you, Mel. It's so great to be here. We appreciate it. As you know, South Florida's industrial real estate market has just exploded over the past few years. And as the CEO of Butters Construction and Development, you've had phenomenal success in the industrial office and retail space. So I thought you'd be a great fit for today's uh, conversation. So let's dive right in. Right. First off, you were an early believer in the industrial and office markets. And that led to your track record of building successful office parks and warehouses. So do you think this gave you an advantage when the demand for storage and industrial spaces took off during the pandemic? I do, Mel. I think a lot of it was a lot of hard work and some of it was luck. And I'll explain it. Malcolm Gladwell, if you know Malcolm Gladwell, of course, you know, he points out that Bill Gates got lucky too, you know, became obviously the one of the preeminent software designers ever. But, you know, Bill Gates grew up in Seattle. Both his parents were professors. He was in the right place where high tech was taken off and his professor's uh, parents put him in the right environment and it just gravitated to that. So, you know, I got to admit, some of it was lucky because my dad was a smaller developer. And for whatever reason, when we moved from Canada down here, he went into industrial. So he had a small shop. It was him and his uncle and my uncle and, uh, and a bookkeeper. And when I went to go work with him after school, after I graduated from the University of Miami and FIU, there was just four of us. And I just learned industrial from the ground up. So industrial, you know, was never sexy, Mel. When I was growing up, all the big developers wanted to be office developers or retail developers or condo developers because they're big buildings, a lot of glass, there's a lot of sex appeal to it. The industrial guys, no one is very basic, you know, you had to put out a lot of money to get a lot of buildings. So it was less profitable, but um, that's what we started out. I started out with my dad and I was just fortunate that he was a small developer. And then, you know, my brother and I, Mark, when we started our own firm, when I left my dad in 1990, we just started growing and growing and growing and growing. And uh, today, thankfully, we're like 55 employees, you know, uh, on any given year, we do a million to two million square feet of industrial. So um, I think that was it. You know, one of the other things that was fortunate, though, is when we, when Mark and I were starting in 1990, it was the end of the um, RTC crisis. And a lot of the industrial developers and a lot of de developers in general went broke. So there's this huge void in the market. You know, Trammell Crow pulled out of the market guys like Paragon and Linpro, names that don't even exist anymore went broke. So we started out and we were these two small, you know, entrepreneurial developers and we just started picking up steam, picking up clients one at a time, good reputation, picked up a lot of capital partners. And then, you know, you fast forward to the pandemic, which really kind of supercharged the whole thing. We were already, you know, a six time NAOP developer of the year and uh, we had all these big capital partners. So part luck and part hard work, Mel. 
All right. There's a lot of concern about an impending recession and what that might mean for the real estate industry. Now, so far, the South Florida real estate market seems pretty solid. So what are your thoughts on how we're positioned to weather a potential recession? Well, Florida in general is going to do great, Mel. I mean, I don't think we have any fears about that. I mean, Florida, Texas, places like North Carolina, the Southeast is going to do great. But Florida in particular, I think it's going to do really, really well. We have the right tax structure. So it's uh, very favorable for people to relocate. You know, as everyone knows, we have a thousand people a day, Mel, moving into the state of Florida. That's been our uh, savior. We have very low unemployment. The economy is very diversified. You know, we got a, especially in South Florida, we got a port, we got an airport, we got uh, tourism is huge, of course. The cruise industry is huge. We are a major, major gateway to Latin America and South America. So we're going to do very, very well. And then structurally, from a developer standpoint, it's very, very hard to develop in South Florida. So I'm not concerned personally because, you know, it's just a high barrier to entry market. Forever, the developers have been saying that we're running out of land, right? We got the Everglades on one side, we got the ocean on the other. So it's hard to find land. It was hard to always believe because we used to go through peaks and valleys in terms of land pricing. But now, you know, now I've been living down in Florida for 45 years and we've been doing this, you know, for um, my brother and I for 33 years. I really, really see it happening. The land situation is getting so hard. You know, if you look at the statistics, Mel, Dade County, take Dade County by itself. Dade County has only enough industrial land has about 1,300 acres left of industrial zone land. That means we could only build 20 million square feet of industrial. Now that sounds like a lot, but when you build and absorb four to 5 million square feet a year in Dade County, that is only like a four or five or six year supply, even with a recession left of industrial land. You know, the same as in Broward County, we only have roughly 400 acres left of industrial zone land, which means, you know, maybe only 5 million square feet. Broward County maybe absorb less, uh, maybe absorb 2 million square feet a year, but, you know, that's two or three years left of industrial land. So definitely, definitely, Florida is going to do great. Industrial, I think industrial developers are going to do really, really well. And I think it's just a question of timing before, you know, we're going to run out of land for sure. All right. Well, that leads into my next question. We recently wrote a story that highlighted uh, warehouse space or the competition for warehouse space has really intensified due to that limited inventory. So tenants now often need to secure the leases more than a year in advance. Um, you know, what can developers do to kind of get around? I know you can't create available space, but. Well, you know, it's become harder, Mel. I can, t- <laughs> I can tell you a very, very large part of our day now is just trying to find opportunities and it's not that there's no land it's trying to find a balance between what you could pay for the land and we could develop it but as a developer so we got to get creative mill right so what have we done recently we've recently bought an office building mill in um, tamarack it was a a 20 year old office building it was empty we knocked it down because the price of the land was worth more than the value of the empty office building. So we bought it, knocked it down, put in our 
right under construction for a 200,000 square foot building, leased it to uh, Sunny's Car Wash. They're the largest car wash manufacturing equipment company in the world. And they took the whole building. Other things we're doing now, we're filling in lakes mill. You know, we recently, a couple of years ago, bought some land from uh, the Lopez family, Carlos Lopez, and he's filling in a lake. And over a period of time, it took us about four years, Mel, to put this deal together. But uh, we teamed up with First Industrial, the park's called First Miami, to do two and a half million square feet. And it's doing fabulous. But, you know, filling in lakes is the second thing you could do besides knocking down office buildings. And then there's rezoning land. You know, recently the guys at Blackstone Link bought called a racetrack. So you're taking a racetrack, uh, rezoning it to industrial and creating land. Then taking ag land, you know, we recently were involved, Mel, and are just waiting for the final results. But Dade County voted to move the urban development boundary line and take roughly 400 acres of ag land that was outside the development and bring it into the development. So that means we're able now to build another 4 million square feet in total. Our project will be about half of that, 2 million square feet. But we could, you know, it means you're able to build another 4 million square feet in Dade that was never usable. But we got with our partners, the Dade County Commission to consider and they approved pushing out the urban development boundary line. Doing the same thing in Palm Beach County, you know, taking ag land that never had any zoning, a lot of resistance, wasn't developable. And we convinced the Palm Beach County Commission and we have two sites in in Palm Beach now that we're doing. So I think you just got to get a little bit more creative in, in terms of South Florida as a developer, too. You know, we've been going outside of South Florida. We're building the biggest industrial park right now in Fort Myers. The Bentall Green Oaks is our partner. We're doing two and a half million feet next to the Fort Myers Airport. So, you know, maybe just sometimes a developer, you just got to get out of your own little backyard and and move to um, other places, too. Malcolm Butters joining us. Next, the impact of Amazon's pullback on Florida. When Florida Business Minds continues. People's Gas. Through its innovation and infrastructure investment, People's Gas has maintained safe and reliable delivery of natural gas to homes and businesses since 1895. More about People's Gas at the heart of Florida's energy at floridasenergy.com. Despite this growing demand for uh, warehouses and storage, which is outpacing development, Amazon recently announced that it was pulling back on its warehouse pipeline. Why do you think that is? Well, I mean, look at Amazon. I mean, uh, if you look, and I'm not an expert on the stock price, Mel, but, um, you know, Amazon, their stock used to be, I think, $180 a share. And now I think it's like $90 a share, right? Their sales, I think, started to plateau. So you start looking at things like that. I'm sure that their executives started realizing, you know, something has to give here. You know, and during COVID, Mel, they were the largest tenant of all industrial spaces. So during 2021, Amazon leased 100 million square feet in the United States. So the industry did about 500 to 600 million square feet during that time frame. One out of every five or six square feet was an Amazon lease square foot. That's tremendous. We've never seen anything like that. 
maybe the closest nearest guy was FedEx, maybe at 20 million square feet. So you go from 100 million to the biggest to 20 million to the next. That's just a, a huge, huge gap. So you know they they expanded. You know they have a, a decent amount of square feet down here and around the country now. I think 10% of their space now is being sublet. But I think it's just a growing curve. And I think why that happened is when you look, you know, retail before e-commerce was about 10% of all retail sales before COVID. During COVID, e-commerce sales went up to somewhere around 18% of all retail sales. So all these guys like Amazon expanded, you know, now it's shifted back. I think e-commerce sales have gone down. I think it's about 12% of all retail sales. So Amazon has to cut back as well as the other e-commerce guys. And that's just what's going on. Now, I was chatting with someone recently who said that the next big thing for the industrial market is parking lots for trucks, because many existing warehouses didn't have enough parking. Now, can you talk a little bit about what's sparking that and how developers are addressing the need for more parking spots for trucks? Yeah. Well, you're definitely, definitely seeing Mel, a lot more parking, and they call it like call it trailer parking in the back of warehouses. So it really depends on the type of tenant and type of building. So if you have an industrial building that's a very deep bulk distribution building, you will need more trailer parking, most probably. The shallower buildings and a lot of the stuff that we've been doing too, typically don't need as much. You know, if you have a manufacturing guy or just a, you know, a normal plumbing supply cabinet shop, they don't need anything additional. But what has happened again, a large percentage of this e-commerce distribution needs are requiring more and more uh, trailer parking because the facilities are just getting larger and they're becoming more regionalized. So you have guys like Target and Walmart and of course Amazon, they're building you know, these million square foot facilities that you know they service the whole state. So they just need a lot more parking. The three PL, the third party logistics, which are companies kind of like Amazon, but what they will do, they will go to companies like Coca-Cola or a company that makes snowblowers and they will store and ship products for them because they only need space for a, a certain period of time or seasonally. And those guys are growing and those guys have a lot of trucks. So the third party logistics guys are creating a need for more trailer spacing too. And finally, there's a whole new kind of segment in the industrial world, Mel, called industrial outside storage. They refer to it as IOS. So the IOS guys now take a piece of land and they will go to companies and just lease them land so you could park trailers or trucks at night. They'll let you park recreational vehicles at night. And that's been a, a pretty big newer segment of the industrial market. And it's growing. I mean, it's, it's very profitable. There's new funds popping up just to do outside storage and, and trailers. And it's pretty interesting. You know, many cities do not want trailer parking or outside storage. So if you get the right site and the right zoning, it could be really lucrative. And I think it's a segment that's definitely going to keep growing. Uh, that's great. Now, because I know you also build retail spaces and uh, I mean, we know how COVID impacted the retail market as more people uh, began embracing e-commerce. Do you see that changing? I mean, are folks now finally getting back to the brick and mortar shops? Yeah, I think for sure. I mean, I don't think there's any real surprises 
Mel, about that. I think, you know, if you look, like I mentioned before, before the pandemic, you know, e-commerce sales were whatever, 10%, went up to 18%. Now e-commerce sales are back to 12%. So obviously it means people are coming back to the mall. Look, the, the experience, people want the experience. It's convenient to shop online and it shows up at your door. It's good for certain older people. I know my mom even now is a big user of Amazon, but for other people, it's about getting out of the house and having that whole experience. If you look, Mel, like retailers now, they are creating experiences and many of the retail companies though, have gone out of business, right? You look at a Bed Bath & Beyond, you look at Sears, uh, you look at companies that haven't done as much like Macy's, so they don't need as much distribution space, but people still want to get out, right? And uh, so I think it's it's a balance between the industrial space needs that keep growing for others, but the retail guys are not using as much, I don't think, um, industrial space. On the question, you know, on retail, you look at movie theater chains, right? They're not really, I mean, it's hard to even make money as movie theater chain. They're not building movie theaters that much anymore. Uh, they're not building malls anymore. So retailers have definitely gotten hit pretty hard. But having said that, I think the class A malls are doing very well. I think you know, if you look at Simon uh, Properties, which is probably the best in class, you know, you could see uh, their stock has come back from the lows, which is I think is about $60 a share. And now it's probably up to $130 a share. And the malls are doing well. I think the higher end malls and areas like the Design Center in Miami and uh, the Bell Harbor shops, they're doing extremely well. I think their sales are probably at or above where they were before COVID. That's great to hear. All right. Well, this has been great. Thanks so much for joining us today, Malcolm. As always, I enjoy chatting with you and getting all your insights. I know our listeners will also benefit from that. So thanks much. And I'll see you next time. Thank you, Mel. Great to be here. Appreciate it. Malcolm Butters joining us. Thank you for downloading Florida Business Minds, presented by the Business Journals of Florida and brought to you by Tico People's Gas at the heart of Florida's energy. Thank you.